think about the how many casual fans there are that maybe go to a Blackhawks game for the first time and it's like like this this could be the game that they remember as like the one that like got them into hockey whether they're three years old whether they're 10 years old whatever it is never gets old or never gets lost on me like how how much of a privilege it is to to do the job welcome into the listen up podcast i am your host Alyssa bergamini thanks for tuning in for another episode my next guest is the chicago blackhawks insider for nbc sports chicago member of the professional hockey writers association and it is no secret that he has the best lettuce in the game. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, we're going to ask him about it because I'm sure he gets that compliment all the time. So please welcome in the broadcaster also with the best last name in the biz, I think. It is the mm. one and only Charlie Rumiliotis. It Hi, actually Charlie. might it actually might be second to your last name. So I will not take that mantle. We both have so many vowels in our last name. How many people say your name wrong and, and what do they say? Um, to this day, a lot of, uh, well, I, so when I, whenever I do radio interviews, especially like up in Canada, they'll say like, how, how do you pronounce your last name? And I'll say it a couple times and right. they'll just be like, is Charlie Argood? And I'm like, that's totally fine. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't take don't offense. Spell it out. <laughs> well, I do. it. So, so actually I was in Toronto, uh, recently and they actually had me in their booth to do the interview. And I was able to like tell the hosts how to say my name, but typically I have to tell the producer what my name is and the producer then has to relay. So it's kind of like a game of telephone and sometimes okay. it gets lost in the, the producer to the host uh, pronunciation. Yeah, totally the telephone game. And you're working in a sport where I think, and I ask Gene Honda this all the time, he always says that hockey has the hardest last names to say. <laughs> That is and very you just, true. You, you fit the mold with that then. <laughs> that is very true. We um so Joe Brand and I they, we were calling the um the Minnesota Chicago rookie showcase tournament before the season where it was like Connor Bedard's like unofficial debut and I was okay. studying like the St. Louis Blues roster cuz I had no idea what any of their prospects names were and it was like Joe, I'm just going to leave the pronunciations to you and I'll just say whatever you say because I don't know what these Copy. names are. What is your prep in terms of learning last names? for players, whether it is on the Blackhawks or the opposing team? Well, fortunately, I, I'm i not a play-by-play -play guy or a color analyst, so I don't really need to get it right. Um, it was actually that same road trip in, uh, was it Toronto? Yeah, it was in Toronto. I was in the booth with Chris Foster's waiting to do a TV hit. And Chris Cuthbert, who's like a legendary broadcaster in Canada, ended up coming into the, the broadcast booth and was asking Chris uh, how to pronounce some of the names on the Blackhawks roster. So. Fortunately, I'm able to kind of just go off of what they say. So if I have mm -hmm. a tough time, like let's just say there's a Blackhawks prospect is now in the pipeline and I don't know how to pronounce his last name. I'll just fire up a YouTube video and be like, how is their junior team announcer pronouncing the last name? Because then yeah. that's how I'll pronounce it. And then once they do get to Chicago, I'll kind of like, hey, is this how you pronounce it? Just to kind of like get it right. But fortunately, it's not really like I'll just go off of what other people are saying. So if Chris gets it wrong, then I'm getting it yeah. wrong too. But if Chris gets it right, I'm I'm going to get it right too. It is one of those things that even though it should be simple, just saying someone's name, whether you're interviewing them or, or simply talking about them on a you know day-to-day -day basis, you want to get it right because you're talking about who they are and, and what their product is. And I even find that with basketball here and there. I'll ask Chuck, I'll ask Bill how they say it because I don't want to be the one to mess up someone's name when 
you know, they're, they're on the NBA court. Yeah. I felt, I felt that pressure actually, and, and we can get into this, but like some of my background of actually getting to this point was doing high school play-by-play while I was in college. And so I was, I was doing play-by-play for like high school. It was high school basketball and it was high school. I think I did a hockey game once that I felt way more pressure to get right because I'm like, these are families watching these games. And like, if I get these last names wrong, like I'm not going to hear the end of it. And so I would try to make an effort to go up to every coach before the game. And anytime I had like, um, if I was like wrestling with how to pronounce something, like I would be like, Hey, can you give me the, give me the pronunciation here? So that is where I felt way more pressure. But when I'm in like the NHL, I can just Google like how to pronounce, you know, like Matthew Kachuk, you know? So it's, yeah, it's, it's nice that we have technology these days to lean on. And that's funny that you bring up high school athletes because circling back to how we actually know each other, NBC Sports Chicago. So I covered high school lights. And just like you were saying, I wanted to make sure I was getting those players, mm. their names right. So I was going on YouTube and I say I couldn't find them. I would just, you know, do it to the best of my ability, of course. Um, but yeah, so Charlie and I know each other from NBC Sports Chicago back then, Comcast Sportsnet Chicago. And I interned there in 2013. It was my summer going into senior year of college. I was on the TV production side. We had so many interns when I think of it at that point. And I think that's why I liked it so much because I was going there, you know, it was strange hours to begin with, but then I made friends from it. And you interned there alongside your twin brother, Paul, (laughs) But you guys were on the other side of the newsroom. So there's the the TV side, which is the newsroom. And then you were on the digital and marketing. So what was your internship when you started out at at Comcast Sportsnet, now NBC Sports Chicago? Yeah. So first off, I do have to shout out my twin brother, Paul, because if it wasn't for him, seriously, I would not have gotten the internship at NBC Sports Chicago, which was Comcast Sportsnet at the time, because we we were going through the... like. We, we knew that we needed to get an internship, but we were trying to like apply to different places. I truthfully did not feel like I was qualified enough to shoot that high. And Paul was like, I'm going to do it anyway. So he applied and like within it had to be within like 24 hours or 48 hours. Like he got a reply back from Joe Collins at the time who was who like was was doing the hiring yeah. process and was like, come in next week for an interview. And so my brother showed this to me and I'm like, what? So I like immediately <laughs> applied and then sure enough, I hear back. Um, and then we ended up both getting the intern, but the internship, but truthfully, like if he did not apply, I don't know if I ever would have applied myself because I, I just didn't feel like I had enough on my resume at the time. Um, but then actually getting hired and then just meeting, you know, whatever you and all the other interns, it was, uh, it was a very surreal experience because like I was at the time we were basically serving as like, um, I don't want to say editors, but like we were part of like, if the insiders at the time had sent in a story, Mm -hmm. like it was on us to kind of edit it, then put it on the site. So here we're getting insider content from like Patrick Mooney and like Vincent Goodwill and Tracy Myers at the time who, you know, long time, uh, you know, we we're, we're press box mates for, for a long time. So it's just like, it was very surreal to be able to read those, uh, the works of them growing up and then to be on the other side of it is like, wow, I get an exclusive look of what we're about to publish. Like it was was a very cool um, experience. And I'm very grateful that I went through that at the beginning. 
That's why internships are so great. I had three different internships and out of all of them, I loved being at Comcast Sportsnet. I I just remember leaving my last day there, going back to school. I'm like, I need to come back to this place. I just, I felt it in me. I'm like, these are going to be lifelong friends of mine, hopefully coworkers. Um, And it did all come for full circle. But I want to mention about your brother because not only are you so nice, Paul is so nice. And I know you have a sister. You're a triplet. Yep. Yeah. And I know. I, I kind of the- blow. I blow a lot of people's <laughs> mind. There have been so many times where Paul and I are at the grocery store together and they'll look <laughs> at us and they'll be like, are you guys twins? And like, we'll kind of have to be like, all right, are we about to disclose that we're also triplets or do we just oh get away gosh. so we can get back to our car and not have to have this big conversation? The whole conversation. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think for the longest time, I, when you guys would walk down the the halls together, I would just say, hey, guys, I don't think I was specifying. <laughs> I obviously know the difference now. But at that at point, I'm like, just, hey, guys, what's up? And my sister, who is not my twin, we get that all the time. Are, are you guys twins? And sometimes we just mess with people. and We're like, yeah, and then carry yep. on. But um, and you guys are identical. Yep, we are identical. And I remember the first time I met you with your sister. I think that was one of my first questions is you guys are yeah. for sure twins because <laughs> you guys also have the same name of like starts with A. You know what I mean? Yes. So yes. Um, yes. yeah, that that's that was funny. But we're just lying about being twins. You're you're actually being <laughs> accurate. Um, yeah. So you had that amazing internship at Comcast Sportsnet, which again, now NBC Sports Chicago. Mm. How did that transition then to your next role? Yeah, so it was... To be specific, it was a digital media producer uh, position. So it was it lasted from the beginning of the fall of my senior year through I think it was December, and then the, a couple months went by where I kind of stayed in touch with some of the the others that were, you know, like Tony Andraki was there and Mark mm-hmm. Strotman was there, Scott Cringe was there, like a lot of you know, like made sure to stay in touch because they were all kind of like within the same age range, like after college, you know still in their, you know, twenties. So it was fun to kind of continue to connect with them. And then it wasn't until a couple months later, it was March where they were looking for some more part-time help. And that's when they kind of, you know, picked out of the well of their interns. And it was Paul and I that ended up getting a part-time gig, which was crazy in hindsight to think that we were like juggling like a part-time gig while also trying to finish school while I was also doing a radio show and the sports editor of a newspaper. Like it was, it was wild, but I, I, all of that was my passion. So really the thing that took a back burner was my school. Like, so my my grades suffered. Like I, I I was like, I'm at the finish line of college. I already know what I want to do. I've kind of got already one foot in the door with this part-time gig. Um, and that's where kind of my passion lied. So I just, I just put all my energy into, finishing you know the radio the school newspaper um the part-time gig and then it ended up turning into making this story a little bit longer than it should have be but no ended up turning the the part-time gig into like um i want to say it was the middle of the 2015 stanley cup run was my first kind of like breakthrough moment for um career wise because the second the second person under Tracy had left and got a new gig somewhere else. So they didn't, it was like the Blackhawks were in the middle of a Stanley cup run. We didn't know it at the time, but it was like, they could go on a deep run mm-hmm. and they needed a second person to kind of step into the role. And initially I, there was like, man, like 
Charlie hasn't even covered a game. We're not going to throw him into the fire. And he's like 22 years old. So like, I was like, ah, oh, yeah, I understand. Like whatever. And then it was like the next day I'm like, well, who's going to do it? Like no one on yeah. our team really is like a hockey person at heart. So I really kind of vouched to, um, to do it and wrote, it was like, I wrote a sample story by the way, shout out to Mark Strawman. He's the one that actually pushed me to do this. He's like, write a sample story for one of the playoff games, send it to me, mm -hmm. I'll edit it. And we'll pretend like this is like a, like a live, we'll simulate like a real scenario. And so I did it. And like the next day, like my bosses were like, all right, here's what's going to happen. We're going to, we're going to get you to a White Sox game on Thursday with JJ Stankovitz, who was covering the White Sox at the time. Yes. You're going to kind of, you're going to go through the motions with him. It'll be like a trial run. And if it goes well, then you'll be covering like game one of the Western Conference final with Tracy. And like it went well. And that was kind of like my birth. I was still part time at the time. So it was still wild to me. But that was like foot in the door, take advantage of the door opening and then mm -hmm. running with the opportunity. Yeah, my first job there was also part time. And even though you're saying those words part time, it's it's it feels more full time. Yeah, and it I'm didn't sure feel that's like how it. you were. Yeah. Right. So you were putting in the long hours and putting in the effort. So you brought up how you were kind of thrown into the fire with this. But did you grow up playing hockey, knew about hockey? Was did it come, you know, natural to you? Yeah. So I I loved every sport growing up, but like I we played basketball growing up, played soccer. Um and really hockey was the one that I gravitated to the most about me and my brother. Um, like we would always play in a, in our basement and we, we would like wait for our dad to get home so we could play in the, in the basement with him. And it was like, I don't know why we gravitated to the sport. Like the, the Hawks like weren't very good, you know? So it wasn't like we were latching no. on to like the nineties bulls. It was, yeah. I, I don't know. We just kind of gravitated to, to hockey and ended up playing up until they started checking. And then that's when my parents were like, all right, that's enough. We're not gonna, <laughs> like, we were, I, I was really tiny. Like I, we didn't hit our growth spurt until very late. So I, I don't fault them at all for, for pulling us out. But, um, and then I knew that I wanted to do uh sports broadcasting and I knew I wanted, it wanted to be in hockey. I think I just didn't know. And in, in college, it kind of crystallized. Is mm -hmm. it going to be a play by play? Is it going to be um, a host, like a TV host, a radio host? Is it going to be a journalism, whatever? And I got to be honest with you. I think journalism was very far down on the list of things that I thought it was going to be because I did not like writing. I did not like reading growing up. I hated reading, but for some reason I loved reading just sports. Like if it was like, okay. give me the back page of the Chicago Tribune, like I'll read like the recaps. Right. But I hated reading books. So to be in a situation now where my job is reading other people's work and also writing is yes. very weird to me. <laughs> It is so unique and so funny. And my first guest, Annie Constable, same thing with her. She did not have this path where it was going to be about writing and, and journalism. And she is now a writer for the Chicago Sun-Times. And here you are as the Blackhawks insider for NBC Sports Chicago. And yeah, sometimes it's right in front of you. And sometimes uh, it just takes a little bit of time to, to figure out really what your niche is and what your craft is and, and what you're good at. So going back to college, did you study journalism? What did you study at you at Elmhurst College, correct? Yep. Elmhurst College, which is now Elmhurst University. So I got to get my diploma updated. Um, okay. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I made, it was a very um, broad major. It was communications, but it was like 
there was another layer to it. It was like interdisciplinary communications is what it was called at the time. I don't know if it, that's still around or, um, but it was more of like a specific in like journalism, but you don't think of Elmhurst as like a journalism school. So I was basically there, um, trying to go to school for something, but I, I, I like, I kind of had to like reach, I had to do it myself in a way. Like I took journalism classes, but it wasn't, there was really like one journalism professor. And so I kind of took a lot of his classes and then where I really benefited the most from Elmhurst was like, I'm, I was not smart enough to get into like a big school like you, like Iowa, like I was not smart enough to get there or I, I don't think you um, have to be too smart to get into well, Iowa <laughs> or like, or like any, think of like any other like journalism, like, yes, you know, like North, no, no, no offense whatever. to my Iowa friends and my Iowa grads, but you're selling yourself short. Like I, I probably still wouldn't have been able to <laughs> it's get no Northwestern. Let's say that. Okay. So, but like, I think of, I think of students that maybe go to Northwestern and like they're journalism majors and there are so many, uh, uh, students that come from there, like go, like wanting to get into journalism. For me, I was like, I don't know if I can hold a candle to any of those students or my peers. Cause I, I just, I didn't know what I wanted to do yet. So mm -hmm. going to Elmhurst, it was very beneficial for me to, to do a, or to be like, a a bigger fish in a small pond, like, okay. Like my freshman year, like I, like one of the first weeks of the, the, the school year, I like went up to the school radio station i was like can i have my own sports talk radio show and they're like pick your time slot like it was oh. that easy so yeah. or like going doing the school newspaper and like covering all the teams there it was just like hey like i want to write for the school newspaper and they're like start next week you know like it was that easy it wasn't like um all these kids trying to do the same thing and i'm trying to elbow my way in and trying to stand out so that was very very beneficial to me and i actually think it it was able to be like a little bit of a launching point as far as like now that I do or whatever, if I, I'd like do more podcasts and I do writing, like I was able to kind of like hone my craft away from the spotlight mm -hmm. and not feel the pressure of like covering Northwestern football or covering U of I football and feeling like, man, if I screw up, like it could affect my confidence. Not to say that nobody cared about like Elmer's football or Elmer's basketball team, but like I was able to kind of like away from the spotlight, hone my craft. Um, and so that was why it was unique to me that experience in college. And I know you're bringing up the big fancy colleges, but what I always say to, to high school students, when they're asking me where they should go, make it your own, make it, make mm -hmm. it what you want, because yeah, you could go to Medell and, and, and really not give it your 100%. And that's not really going to help you out, you know, in long-term where here you are going to Elmhurst university and, you're very hands-on, whether you were doing radio or writing and you made the most of it. So I think that is probably more important than actually the school you're picking. It's the experience that you're learning and the connections that you're making and then how you transfer those skills into the real world. Because then once you graduate, you're just thrown out there. Yeah, They don't care really where you went and what your GPA is. It's right. what your skills are. Yeah, you're, you're spot on. And I think for me, a big reason why maybe I felt underqualified to get the internship at NBC Sport Chicago, but I got it anyway was because I was able to take advantage of like, oh, write for the school newspaper, sports editor, mm -hmm. radio host. Like they were able to see the the stuff that I did while I was at college. Like a lot of people, you know, 
Like you could, you could go to like the best school and have a 4.0 GPA, but if you don't have any experience of doing what you want to do, like it's going to be hard for you to land that gig out of college because it's almost like you have to be trained and like caught up to speed, even though you went to school for it. Right. But if I like, exactly, you know, so it was very like, just like full disclosure, like when I got the internship at NBC Sports Chicago, they, I didn't have a great GPA. They didn't care what my GPA was. I don't they think didn't they asked. Ask. They didn't even <laughs> ask. And so it was just like, wow, you, you know, you, you do all this stuff. It's a great, like, you know, so I think that's what benefited me more than anything was like taking advantage of the experiences in college, wherever you are, whether it's a big school or a small school. And I think that's actually how I got my internship there as well. I didn't have really connections there, but I had a lot of experience from other internships and what I was doing in college. And I remember one of the producers who's not there anymore, he turned to me one day as I'm in the edit bay and he's like, so who did you know to get in here? And I was like, what do you mean by it? I don't understand that question. And he's like, how did you get this internship? Because this is a very coveted internship and everyone else here has some type of a connection. And a lot of them did, which I didn't. I did not know going into it, and it didn't really even matter. Mm-hmm. But I will never forget that. Just that question of, "How did you get in here?" And truly, it was myself. And after that, yeah. I was like, "Oh, I'm proud that I didn't have to schmooze anyone. I applied online and got this internship." Hallelujah! Football's back, so you can stop making up silly reasons to come to Wings and Rings. Like you found a four-leaf clover, or you made all the lights on the drive home. Now watching the games on more TVs than you can count is the only reason you need. And bonus, they have the freshest, meatiest, juiciest wings around. Plus signature thick-cut onion rings. I'll see you at Wings and Rings. Stop by today, 3434 South Halstead Street, right in the heart of Bridgeport. I think Paul applying to NBC Sports Chicago, and then you following suit and seeing that he got this internship. That was your sliding door moment in terms of, oh, I can do that then too. Yep. I totally agree. And there are like two parts of the equation for me. It If you're trying to like break into this business, it's one waiting for that door to open, which actually is the hardest part. I was yes. very fortunate where that door opened quickly or like maybe earlier than some others. And then two, like totally taking advantage and running with the opportunity when that door does open. So I think it's very, it's very much twofold, but I see a lot of people and you and I are are both very fortunate and grateful that we've, we've been able to do this in our hometown. Like I see a lot of people that have to move all the time. Yeah. And like Mm -hmm. a lot of people have to move elsewhere to kind of get their big breakthrough and then they have to move back to their hometown of whether it's Chicago, if you're listening to this, um, because sometimes the door just isn't open, you know? So yeah, very grateful. And like you mentioned, like that original door, like if we, if we like pinpoint the first door that opened, it was, yes. it was my brother, like applying for the internship. We love siblings. We love Paul. Yeah. Um, it is such a unique industry to work in and working in a number three market. Nonetheless, I never take that for granted because, Going back to talking about Iowa, loved Iowa, but I'm like, I got to get the heck out of here. They don't have professional sports teams. (laughs) And although I was covering the Hawkeyes, cheering for them, it it made me really appreciate my roots. We have the Bulls. We have the White Sox. We have the Blackhawks, Cubs, Bears. And you just grow up and that's all you know. That's, That's all I knew. And I'm sure you kind of feel the same. You're like, oh, we have these teams that 
they're dynasties, you know, right. especially when we were growing up, I would say. Um, and then, you know, later on in our twenties, but it is one of those things where you have to sometimes just look at the, the big picture. You're on TV in Chicago. I mean, I'm on the radio and it's insane to even think about because people do have to move places that they don't want to be. And I think both you and I are, are family people as well. So it helps yes. to be close to family. And I think I would have a hard time say I was still living in Iowa. I would not be the best version of myself. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I don't think I would be as passionate about my job if I was covering a different team that I didn't really feel a connection to, right? Like mm -hmm. the, the Blackhawks, uh, you know, like my dad grew up taking us to games when we were like three years old. So I feel like, you know, if I was covering a different team, like I wouldn't have like, yeah, I would put a lot of work into it, but I wouldn't feel like that natural desire to want to like really dig deep on like why, you know, what, what's the Blackhawks pipeline look like right now? Yes. You know, like I almost feel like I, I, I care more to know the answer to that and to dig deeper because my entire family and friends are asking me about it. So like, I want to deliver for them, you know, you know what I mean? So there's definitely, there's definitely a lot uh, to that. And I want to say this too, like we talk about the second point of like taking advantage and running with the opportunity that you get. I know it might seem maybe to whoever is listening or watching that this job is like an amazing job and it's so good, but it's not just, it's not just, oh, I grew up a diehard fan and I want to like, I want to, it's so much right. more to that. Right. And you have to, you, you definitely have to separate it. It's a, it was actually very seamless for me to kind of separate my fandom and then like actually doing the job. Like I get the question all the time. It's like, how do you go to Hawks games and not root for them? And I was like, I, mm -hmm. I'm stressing more about getting my story in on time than, to put, yeah. than I am about the Doing wins your and work. losses. Or like, so it's not just, oh, I'm a diehard Blackhawks fan. I would love to do what you're doing one day because it's like this glamorous job. Like it, there's a lot of work and, and stuff that goes behind the scenes that kind of like you have to really be driven to do it. And fortunately, I have the the passion to do it, but I also... I love to have those long days. Like I, the, those long days are not, don't feel like work to me. You're speaking to me because this is how I am with, with white Sox. People come up to me all the time. They're like, Oh, like you, how did you get this job? Like, are you just a fan? I'm like, yes, I'm a fan. I mean, I'm, I'm thankful that I am in Chicago covering a team I grew up with. That was not really on my vision board. I did not ever think that this was going to be even a position I was in. But going back to what you were saying, it is not glitz. It is not glamour. You really have to work at it. And mm -hmm. both you and I, I would say we really stuck with it. And then you appreciate it even more. And I, I, yeah. I know there's like a lot more, you know, of life left. But I feel like right now where I'm at, I'm like, I, I really feel like I appreciate where I'm at. And it didn't just get handed to me. Like you, yeah. you worked for it. Right. Exactly. And, and I'm not, we're not, both of us, we're not trying to like put down the job as if it's like a negative, no, but like no. this job is so rewarding. And and like, I, I love my job every single day, but like you had mentioned that like you kind of have to like mentally accept what you're getting yourself into. If you do want to be in this field and you want to like really put in the work and mm -hmm. not seeing like a total, like a huge, like payoff in the end, but doing it because like, you just love going to your job every day. And man, like you talk about me, like being on TV, like every time I, you're, you're, I don't know how you wear so many hats because <laughs> if somebody asked me like about the bears or whatever, like I have to like shift my brain to like a different part. Cause I'm like, I'm on, I just take it day by day. Right. I mean, you're like white Sox, 
bulls. I mean, you have <laughs> so much going on that like I admire you for the way that you've really rounded out your versatile uh resume. Well, thank you. And I I mean, going back to what we've been talking about, but it doesn't come easy all the time. I really put the work in, put the effort. And like you said, how you love those long days. I'm also a weirdo like that. And I love the long days, but um, Friday evening, we're both at work when other people will be going out or their weekends are starting. Weekends are really not a thing if you are going to work in the sports industry. And if you yeah. love your, your evenings, try something else because I've missed a lot of wedding showers or bachelorette parties or or rehearsal dinners for the wedding. I, I try to make it a balance, you know, with, with mm -hmm. work and personal life. And I'm sure you could say the same. I mean, you're covering all of the Hawks games as well. Yeah. It actually feels weird when I have a weekend available when I'm, when it's you're not, like, what's you know what wrong? I mean? I'm like, what do I do this weekend? It's I'm free. Um, uh -huh. I will say too, like I, there are a lot of, yeah, like family events that you miss or whatever, but it's never like, oh man, I wish I was there. Like I, I'm always like, yeah. I'm at the, I'm at the Hawks game tonight, yes. Saturday night. Like I don't want to be anywhere else right now. So it's, it's very much of like, and maybe this, my perspective will change. Like, you know, if I have a family one day, um, but as right now, like it is very much like, uh, I love it. I actually felt more of the sacrifice when I was in college because okay. when I was the, um, like when I mentioned earlier about doing those, like high, those high school games, calling those high school games, those were on Friday nights. So like my Friday nights were taken away from me while all my friends were going out and like mm -hmm. whatever, doing college stuff. And then every other weekend as the sports editor, of the newspaper, like I would have a Monday morning deadline of getting our, our like sports page submitted. So Saturdays and Sundays, like all day, like I'm working in the newspaper room. So like a lot of every other weekend in college, I kind of didn't have. So, but at no point was I like depressed that I was missing out. I was like, I don't know. I felt like in my element that I was able to do that stuff. So because yeah, really you have a like, passion for it and you, and you exactly. like it. Yeah. It didn't feel like a chore. You know, it felt like I was actually want to do this. And I like want to put all my, my effort into like making this sports page, like the best it could be. That's how I feel too. When I'm at games, I'm like, this is amazing. I am at the United center listening to the bulls intro. Do you get so excited and pumped up when you hear the Hawks intro at home? Because when I hear the bulls one, I'm just like, they're going to win by 100. This is going to be such a great game. <laughs> and then the game starts and, and the, you know, glitz and glamor is a little bit dimmer now, but do you, do you feel that when you're at United center covering Hawks games? Absolutely. I'm a, I'm actually like a nerd like that. Even going on the road trip, the, the, the Blackhawks opened the season. Uh, it was like Pittsburgh, Boston, Montreal, Toronto. And I am like, don't interrupt my pregame routine because like <laughs> when that intro starts, I'm like glued. Uh -huh. Like I want to feel like the goosebumps that like yeah. that other people are feeling and the Blackhawks. And I'm not just saying this because like I grew up watching, but like they have one of the best productions in the entire NHL like the way they they do their intro and and then obviously the national anthem the national anthem for me I've I've because I've been to so many fortunately Blackhawks games growing up and just just doing the job every time like I, I don't ever want it to get monotonous in my mind so that the where I try to get into my mindset is like somebody here tonight whether it's a family member a friend is here at their first game. 
So mm-hmm. I like try to like put myself in their shoes of like experiencing this for the first time and like how cool it must be in their eyes, like watching this and seeing like the crowd going crazy. And e- even like a few years ago when the Blackhawks weren't very good, like it was still, you know, like you just want to feel, I'm like, man, even though they're not very good, like someone here is he- here for the first time. So like what a, what a cool experience. So I try to see it in that lens and not like, going through the motions of like, uh, I've like game 81, here. 82. Yeah, exactly. So I try to like keep a perspective in that, in that, uh, in that way. That's so funny that you said that because that's exactly how I go into every white Sox game, especially these past few seasons, whether it is a, an April game and they're on their 10 game losing streak or the last game of the season, or just, you know, a lovely day in July. I, I always remind myself, this is someone's first game. This could be their 100th game. It doesn't matter. They are spending their time here. They are listening to me up on that screen. And I want to make sure in my job, in my role, I can give them the best experience. Now, we can't control the players. We can't control right. what's happening on the ice or on the baseball field. But in our respective roles, it's like you could do the best of your ability to why you're there. And I'm just feeling so fortunate that you you have that position and you have that opportunity. Yeah. And the other thing too, I think about this is especially, I think about when I have like family members that are texting me and they're like, Oh, we're coming to the game tonight. And they might not be like diehard hot, like uh, hockey fans in general. Yeah. And it's like, I think I'm like, man, I hope it's a good game tonight. Like, cause this could be the game. Like this <laughs> uh-huh. could be the game where it like hooks it gets them in, them into you know? it. Yeah. So it's like, I think about the, how many casual fans there are that maybe go to a Blackhawks game for the first time. And it's like, like this, this could be the game that they remember as like the one that like got them into hockey, whether they're three years old, whether they're 10 years old, whatever it is. So I got, you know, it's, it's a very, um, it never gets old or never gets lost on me. Like how, how much of a privilege it is to, to do the job. Well, and you do a great job and you are now on TV and I am so excited every time I see you, even though <laughs> you've been doing this now for a few years. I'm like, there's my friend, Charlie, Charlie's on the screen. So how did you transition from being a writer, you know, being an editor digital to now being the Blackhawks insider at NBC sports Chicago? Yeah, I think it started really like credit to like my bosses uh, when I was an intern and just part-time, um, they tried to like push to do like for the digital members. I know we had like, we had Tracy, we had all of our insiders there at the time that were doing TV stuff, mm-hmm. but they've kind of like, they kind of pushed us or allowed us to do some on-camera work, like in the digital department. So, you know, this very well, the AT&T Uverse lounge, like we would all be yeah. like, we would go into that lounge and we would maybe record like whatever, like a two minute segment on the Blackhawks and we would put it up and it would, it slowly, you get like more comfortable behind the camera. I yeah. I don't know if this is the same for you, but it was a very big adjustment for me staring into a camera and <laughs> like uh, like a little dot and like uh. maintaining eye contact with this thing <laughs> that I didn't feel any human connection to. And it is it is weird. I I'm just I ignore <laughs> it. Like truly okay. I just ignore it. Do you want to know what the breaking point for me was? I, it was like one of the first times I was doing TV and like, I wanted to go back and watch. And in my mind, I was like, Oh, it was probably wasn't great, but like, I felt normal. Mm -hmm. Well, then I go back and I rewatched the 
TV appearance. And like my eyes were like all over the place. <laughs> and like, even when I was like just talking to the camera, like uh -huh. my eye, like I couldn't, I, I don't think I maintained eye contact for like more than two seconds. Like it just kept wandering. And I was mortified at how that looked. <laughs> and I'm like, Charlie, just maintain eye contact with this, with this stupid thing that like this, like a yeah. black, just, it's going to look weird if you don't. And so I just got comfortable, like getting, like feeling like it was normal to do, to I, do that. Right. Do you want to know what my secret is? All right, let's hear it. Well, my first internship was at Fox 32 and I was with Jeff Weiris, who is the cameraman there. And he's been there for a long amount of time. So he knows what he's talking about. I thought I was just going to the game and shadowing. And then at the end, he's like, let's have you do a stand up. I'm like, what's I, I didn't even know what a stand up was. I was like, well, I don't know what that is. And he's like, just go over the game. Just a, a, a minute of you talking, giving the highlights of the game. I'm like, oh, my God, this is terrifying. I know it was just for my resume reel, but he said, pretend like you're just talking to your mom. And he actually knows my mom. So um, <laughs> he knows that we have a close relationship. So he's like, just pretend like you're talking to your mom. So that kind of stuck with me. I don't feel like I'm talking ever to a camera or into a microphone. It's like, you're just talking to family members. So for you, maybe like you're just talking to Paul. Yeah, exactly. No, that's a great point. It's a, it's a great advice of like feeling like you don't want to you want to make it a little bit more conversational. Okay. And I have another thing that I want to ask you. Okay. Live versus pre-tapes. Which one live, do you prefer? Live all day. I am I am so much better one take because then I think about it too much and I just give it my all that one take. I totally agree. It's very weird to me when I... It's funny. Like some of the security guards I talk to at the United Center, like I'll do my TV hits down there at the, in the hallway and they'll be like, how do you, how do you do it live? Like I would be so nervous. And I was like, mm -hmm. I, I love live. I hate pre-tape. Yeah. I cannot do Same. a pre-tape because in my mind I have to get it perfect. And if I, if I'm like a minute in and like I get, I stumble over something like in my mind, I'm like, ah, should I, should I redo that? Should I, what? And then like, I'm, I'm losing yes. my train of thought. It's funny that you say that because a lot of people will maybe like feel like live is stressful, but in my eyes, I, I love, love live because I'm like, if I stumble over my words, I just got to, I got to keep going. There's really no going back. And I, I think that you, for me at least, like I give it more inflection and, and personality when it's live because that's how I'm truly feeling. When then if you are doing a pre-taped or you have to do it again, it's a little bit more rehearsed. You could tell it's rehearsed and yes. not the, the true authentic version of what you had in your head. Yes. So it's funny you say that because even to some, some extent, like, and by the way, shout out to Pat Boyle. He's actually one of the guys that uh, the host of the Blackhawks pre and post game show. He's the one yeah. that was like, I want you on TV more. And he's the one that really pushed for it to happen. I was like, sure. You just tell me when you want me on. Like, it's your show. That's amazing. Um, so love him for that. But also like there have been instances where he'll be like, you know, uh, give me some some topics that you want to talk about. And I was like, mm -hmm. I'll, and sometimes you're like, I'm like, Pat, just ask me whatever you want. Like, I actually don't want to know the questions because then like, I'll feel like I'll try to rehearse how I want to start it, what I want to say. And then it's like, it never comes out the way I intend to. So it's just like, just, just tell me like on the spot, like what you're going to, what you're going to say. And then I can formulate my thought like in real time. That's because you know your stuff. That just shows that you are a good reporter and you're so confident in it. Because I think some people would say the opposite of what you're saying. So it just proves that 
you know what the heck you're talking about. When I listen to him, I'm like, yeah, I love that. That was a, that was a, that was a good nugget to know. Well, um, it is. That is a good point. Like if you were asking me like, Charlie, what's wrong with the Blackhawks power play? Or like if Pat asked me that on the air, like I could come mm -hmm. into this answer, but if you like, I could, I could talk for whatever free flow it. But if I have to do like, um, Hey, I collected morning skate sound from Connor Bedard today. You're going to throw to the sound. Then you're going to pick it up on the other end and wrap up your thought. That's when I have to be a little bit more rehearsed and like, okay, how am I going to start it? What am I going to say when I throw to it? And then what am I going to say when I come out of it? So that is mm -hmm. a, like a little bit more rehearsed, but if it's just like open-ended, why is the Blackhawks power play struggling? Like, you know, like what have you thought of Connor Bedard so far? Like I could, I could, it's very easy for me to do that, but yeah. So I, I do want to say like, I also do have to do some prep when it comes to the other, like important stuff or when maybe you're doing a standalone and you're doing like a, like a minute hit and like, you have to kind of like formulate your thoughts into like 60 seconds. Like that could definitely be like, okay, what, what are the important points that I need to get in? So would you say that now you feel very comfortable with being in front of the camera? I mean, do you get those jitters here and there? Because that's, I get jitters, but they're good. Yeah. I, I don't really feel, um, like nervous or jitters. The only time I do is when I'm like, I'm maybe talking about something sensitive or like, I, okay. I want to, I want to get it right in my mind. Like, like I, maybe I have this perfect thought on what I want to say and like, I want to make sure I'm delivering it properly. But like, if, if you, like if Pat called me right now and said, Hey, you got to do a, we got to do a talk back right now. Like, and it's going to be three minutes. I would be like, sure. Like, yeah. I, I don't really get nervous. Um, when I was younger, I, I didn't get, ner I wasn't, I was a little nervous, like on camera, the more, like where I felt it more though, was the, uh, the anxiety leading up to it, like okay. driving to the studio and like, yeah, oh man, like, okay, like how much, what am I going to say? Like what like overthinking it. Yeah, exactly. Or like, you know, if he asked me this, like, I want to go here or whatever. It's like, that part is where it like, but once, once the camera like turned on, it was very weird how I was able to kind of just like be a little bit relaxed. I can relate to that. I am similar when I'm doing something. It's like the whole day leading up or the night before you're thinking about it so much because you want it to be perfect and you, you put in all this effort. And then once you're actually doing it, it's so fun and rewarding once you're mm -hmm. done. <laughs> yeah. And it's weird too, that the times that I feel like it wasn't a good TV hit, and I'm like, I don't, I don't want to see it. Like, I feel like I messed yeah. up. Nobody, nobody sees it that way. You know, no, like, no, I don't know why no. we're, we're always like very self-critical and like, maybe it's just like, we hate hearing our voice or we feel weird. Like, you know what I mean? But anytime I feel, I, I think it's because I've actually dissected this in my brain. <laughs> I think it's because like, I, I know in, the, I could put myself back in the moment of what I was trying to say or right. what I wanted to say. And I didn't say that. But to the viewer, they don't they, know. They don't know that I was trying to say this or that I had this intention of saying something, mm -hmm. but or whatever. They just they're still like absorbing. Oh wow, that was a good nugget. Like they were. They don't. You know what I mean? So yep. it's very weird how like other people. We must think. Like, wow. We yeah. must not be the only ones that think like this. This must just be working in this industry because I'm sure there are many out there that have this similar thought. I am the same way I do something. And once it's done or, or as I'm saying it, I'm like, Oh, I left yeah. out this, or I didn't like how I said that. And truly you care more than anyone else. Like you're yourself. You care more right. than anyone else does.
Right. Oh exactly. my gosh. That's, yeah. That, uh, that must just be part of the job. I was going to say <laughs> a little I mean, bit of anxiety. <laughs> I mean, how, um, even last night I was around my family and like somebody was playing a video and, and like, who, who was it? Somebody like screamed, ah, shut the video off. I don't like hearing myself. Like, I think that's just, we all, how we all are. <laughs> and you hear yourself differently than others do. Yeah, exactly. Which, yeah, I, I still sometimes watch things back. I'm like, Ooh, what was that? What was that, Melissa? I really, I don't do that anymore. My mom will record like every time I'm on TV <laughs> and sometimes she'll just like throw it on when I'm there. And I'm just like, I really don't want to watch this like while I'm in the room. <laughs> so like, can you just watch this? My mom time? does very much the same. They yeah, just, they're just proud of us. I, I was going to say, she, she's like, she's just over the moon. And like, I, I don't know. I've been doing it for such a long time and you'd think it's like normal for her now, but she still gets uh, like, She'll text me like, are you on TV tonight? And I was like, yes. <laughs> oh, I love it. She probably has her um, on-demand full to 100% with the recordings of you. Um, She has like 115 episodes of Blackhawks pre and post game live. And I'm like, <laughs> mom, you can delete some of these. I think you're not going to go back and watch every single one. She probably knows more about the Blackhawks than many people do. <laughs> if you're looking for a new car, well, look no further. Head to Mazda of Orland Park right off of 159th Street and LaGrange Road. I am so proud to drive a Mazda CX-5 all-wheel select featuring black leather as the interior plus all the features that you can dream of. Adaptive cruise control, Apple CarPlay, backup camera, which you definitely need if you are parallel parking in Chicago, lane departure warning, which oh you definitely need if you are driving on the Dan Ryan, plus push to start and best of all, the seat warmer. Mazda of Orland Park offers high quality sales and service experiences to each and every one of their Zoom Zoom Nation customers, including myself. So be sure to stop by Mazda of Orland Park, tell Eric Vates that Alyssa sent you, and be sure to join in on the Zoom Zoom Nation. You won't regret it. Your game day prep. What does that sure. look like for you? Yeah, I'm very big into routines. So it's funny that you asked me this. Now I'm on the other side of it. Um, yeah. So... Morning of a game. So the Blackhawks have morning skates. I'm going to walk you through a typical home game. Yep. Um, so morning skates are at 1030. So I try to get to the arena by 10 o'clock just to, you know, I don't know. I like being earlier. I don't like feeling rushed on my car ride. So I was like, let me just mm -hmm. get there a little bit early. Um, so typically, so I live in Elmhurst. So that's about depending on traffic. It's like I probably have to leave around like 915 um, okay. to get there by 10. Watch morning skate. It's typically about like a half hour and then they open up the locker room. I go downstairs to the locker room. They get my content, whatever I need that day. Sometimes it's really not related on what I'm going to write that night, but it's related to like when I, maybe I, I feel like the, or like if the Hawks have an off day tomorrow, it's like, mm -hmm. okay, just getting content for what that next day is going to look like. Um, and then should I'm like typically done around noon at the United center. So then I'll okay. go back some, some, most of us go back, but some, some like stick around. Like if they live in the burbs, I oh, have wow. to go back. I think I tried it once where I like stay in the area rather than going back and then coming. And yeah. it was like, I left the United center at noon, went to grab lunch. It was like a fairly long lunch too, you know, cause I wasn't in a rush. And then it was like, <laughs> looked at the clock and it's, I'm like, it's two o'clock. There is still a lot of time to kill. <laughs> so like, never yeah, doing you don't this wanna, again. You don't want to get burnt out. Yeah. So, so typically I go, I go back home. I'll have lunch. I'll lay down for a little bit. Just kind of, I, I, I need to, I need to have 
like a little bit of a nap just to kind of break up the just shut my brain off for a little bit because I need my brain firing at like 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. So a power play nap. Yeah, exactly. A power play (laughs) nap. And I'm not I'm not much of a coffee drinker. I typically only drink it if it's like a late night. And then I have to go to a practice. Like a West Coast game. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I really just need to pick me up, but it's Mm -hmm. not like a consistent part. So I'd rather just kind of sneak in like um, a nap before the game. And then I'll do my final preparations. I'll try to do them from home. Sometimes I'm like, I just got to go to the arena just because there are too many distractions at home. Mm -hmm. Well, there are equally as many distractions at the arena (laughs) because then you're running into so many people and you're like, oh yeah, the story I was about to write ain't getting written right now because no, you just run I, into I do so that. Many people. I, I'm in the same boat with you. I just talk with everyone then. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I wrestle too with like feeling like, okay, like I, I got to get this thing written. So like, I don't want to be like, I don't want to come across as a jerk. Like Rude. if I'm not, yep. enter- yeah, if I'm not like immersing myself in these conversations. Um, so it is a wrestle. I, I'll kind of like do it day by day or like take it. However, depending on where I'm at in my writing. Um, and then the game, the game part is easy. It's just um, watching the game. I'm really taking notes throughout, like not really during the game, but during the TV timeouts and then during the intermissions. Okay. And then uh, story publishes pretty close around final buzzer, go back to the locker room, get my content. And then I'm typically one of the last ones to leave the United Center just because like, I try to write multiple stories. Um, so it's like first story is the observations piece. And then second story is maybe like the, my post game column or story that, that came from it. And then I'm not getting, I don't really get home until about 1230 and I'm probably not falling asleep until like one thirty Cause I'm still kind of like my adrenaline yeah. is still up. Yes. So I like, like that takes, too. yeah, it takes a while for me to kind of like come back down a little bit and, and, um, shut my brain off. But yeah, so it's, it's a, it's a long day, but it's. I mean, like we mentioned earlier, it's a, it's a fun long day. So your deadline is really once the game is done, your story's up. Yeah. So I don't really have a true deadline, um, but we, we, we want it as like everyone, like at NBC, like they want it up pretty close to the final buzzer. So, and I, I want that too. Like, it feels weird when I'm, when I go into the locker room and I'm like, man, my first story isn't up. Now I'm feeling the stress of like, what are the observations immediately from the game? Like, wow. Okay. They're already here. Let me read them. Whereas like, there might be like 20 minutes that go by and people have like shut it down for the night or they've moved on to the next one already. I, tr- we try to take advantage of that as quickly as possible. So it, again, it's not like a true line, but it's, it's um kind of a formal, like, Hey, let's get this up right away. So you just wrote an amazing article that, I loved, and I'm going to say exactly what you wrote, why I'm questioning my role in Connor Bedard media circus. Why do you feel that way? And have you felt that with any other players? Um, no, um, because Connor Bedard like just turned 18. So like when Patrick Kane was here, when Jonathan Taves were here, I wasn't covering the Blackhawks during their, their early days. I, I I hopped on obviously in 2015, right towards like the second half of their careers, and Patrick Kane got a lot of media attention here, right? Especially once he was started winning MVPs, and but he's he was like a grown man, like has a kid now. You know what I mean? Like it was so mm-hmm. different now than like Connor Bedard, where the league is just throwing him into the spotlight, you know, like parading him around national television like five of the first seven games or was like 
for the first five or five. Well, I can't remember what the number is, but like we're on national television and he was just getting so much media attention and it really didn't occur to me that I could potentially be playing a role in this until, um, well, I'll backtrack to last week or how, whenever this drops, but like in Toronto on the first, um, road trip of the season, Taylor Hall had came out and said, and was like, I think Connor, Connor's doing too many in-game interviews. Like we just got to let him play and find a balance. Mm-hmm. So I started to think about it. I was like, eh, you know, is he, you know, or is it like, do we want to promote this kid? If we're, you know, as a, as a hockey fan, like is the NHL playing their cards, right? But then it's like, I can't control what the NHL does. Like if they're putting him on national television, like that, you know, that's something I don't have any control over. And then it wasn't until the Saturday home opener where Bedard scores his first goal. And it was the very last question of the media scrum. And he was, he gave this really eloquent answer of like, so grateful to be in this position. It was basically talking about the attention he's getting. Okay. Grateful to be in this position. Not a lot of people get to do this. I try to take it as a positive. And then he like squeezed in like, but I am human. So I do get a little tired sometimes, but I'm really grateful for that. So it was, it was kind of like slipped in there. It wasn't like a, Oh, I'm exhausted, but it was like, it was enough for me to be like, okay, what, like how much am I feeding into this circus? Like, am I taking advantage of, you know, uh, this kid being a headliner? And so how do I wrestle with it? Like, how do I like strike the right balance? And really the balance I found was there are quite a few times where I, go inside the Blackhawks locker room and I'm, I'm not really needing anything from Connor Bedard. Like I'm like, I have other stories to write, but there are a lot of cameras there. Um, and once Connor comes off the ice, the cameras are probably trained to just go to Connor's stall. And so I don't have any control. Like I have to go into that scrum if there is going to be one, because I'm holding NBC sport Chicago's mic. And so they're depending on me to get Connor Bedard sound. So where, where I found the balance was if I got to hop in the scrum, I don't have anything to ask him. So I'm just going to listen. Like, I'm just going to just stick the mic in there. If other people have their questions, fine, but I'm not going to contribute to this scrum because I don't really have anything specific for him where I, where I actually do need to get sound from him is like, Hey, you're, you know, maybe you're, you're in a gold drought. Like what, what's not working or Hey, you're on a hot streak right now. Like what's clicking for you or like, what's wrong with the power play? Like that stuff I, I need to hear from Connor because it, it goes through him. Um, but the opening road trip was more felt like more for the visiting media than it was for the home because okay. Montreal, they wanted to hear from him. Toronto, they wanted yeah. to hear from him. Austinsburg wanted to hear from him. It really wasn't us because we had talked to Connor all of training camp. So Anyway, it's a very long-winded answer, but it is very weird no. being in a position where like I'm morally conflicted on like whether I'm contributing to like putting a lot of pressure on this kid or feeling like maybe being a little bit too overbearing versus like the fan really is like invested in what Connor Bedard is doing. And so I want to make sure that I'm still delivering for them and I'm not I'm not like holding off the much. But I think you are doing it in the most professional manner that you can because you are there for NBC Sports Chicago. This is the Chicago Blackhawks, the regional network that is is covering the team. So going back to kind of what you were saying, you know, he he's he's 18 and he seems like a very mature 18-year-old to me just from listening to him and, and watching him his interviews. 
So I give credit to him too for really giving it his best so so early on in his career. And just think about how big he's going to be just moving forward. I mean, this is this is year one. He might be more mature than I am, Melissa. And I'm 31. <laughs> um, like that's how much you know what I mean? Like I still laugh at like jokes that you know shouldn't be funny, but are funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, like he's so he's got such a good head on his shoulders, but I try to like remind myself it, that it's not an excuse to like just kind of stick a microphone in his face all the time because he's always willing or he's like, ah, he's, he's fine with it. But I still make, I want to make sure that he's like getting his breathing time or like, you know, he, he can kind of decompress at practice and doesn't feel the responsibility to, you know, have to answer my questions, um, you know, or other reporters questions. So yeah, it's it's a weird, weird tour as someone that is like in the media that like like a lot of my content is just Connor Bedard because like people want to mm -hmm. know what he's doing, but it's also like, you know, I gotta wrestle with like just how much I'm I'm being overbearing or if I am. How much have you felt the shift from this year going into this season as opposed to you know the past eight, nine years you were covering the team? It's definitely um, kind of joke around with people. Like I know I hopped on during the 2015 Stanley Cup run, but I really didn't um, become like a full-time person until like 2017 of like covering the Blackhawks full-time. And okay. so I joke around, like I've joked around that it's like, it's been all downward like, since I like jo I joined on a full-time yeah. basis. So I think it's cool now to be able to like, cover a team that has the potential to go on a very special run and to be able to be around or a, a, like a full-time beat reporter from the beginning is it, it's very it's very cool in my eyes like now like god willing it it happens through you know whatever i can still be doing this 10 15 years from now but like the thought of that and i think a lot of the casual fans are also feeling that as well where when the blacks were winning Stanley cups in like 2010, 13, 15 mm -hmm. hockey was dead in Chicago. So I think now yeah. everyone's like, wow, hockey is like really the, the interest level has skyrocketed again here in Chicago because of this kid. I want to start watching Blackhawks games now because I want to be part of a potential special run. So I think that's how I feel as well on the media side where it's like, I'm home, whatever. Like I, it's it's very cool that the the thought of like being able to cover a potential special run um, as a full time meet member from very beginning. And think about all the young young fans that are going to be Blackhawk fans from Connor Bedard. I mean, I yeah. was at the game the other day. I saw grown men, young men, women, <laughs> little girls wearing a Connor Bedard jersey. And yes, that is so much pressure on him, but. You know, going back to just talking about he's a generational talent and we get to be here to witness it and you get to be there to cover it. Not many people can say they have that opportunity. Yeah, I think Connor's in a very perfect position to, if I'm being honest, where he's not in like, he's not in a Canadian market where it's like this kid can't go to the grocery store without being mobbed by fans yeah. because it's like their religion over there. But he's also not, like Chicago, I, I think Chicago sports is like the best, um, the the best sports city in America. But like for the Blackhawks, like they're, when their interest level is high, it's like the entire city rallies around. 
but you mm -hmm. also have you have the bears you have the bulls you have the cubs the white Sox. you can kind of fly under the radar a little bit in this city and it's not talked about a lot on sports talk radio so it's not like like i was in boston for the opening trip like on the uber ride um all it was was like bruins talk or in pittsburgh yeah. it was penguins talk like we don't hear that in chicago so no I think like Connor's in a really good spot where he can like, this is a really passionate fan base, but it's also like he can kind of be a normal kid and not feel like he can go to a restaurant and is like 20 cameras or fans yeah, are stopping him to mobbed. say hi. Like he can really fly under the radar um, in a way here. So the game I went to was Blackhawks versus Bruins. And yeah. my one friend I was with big Boston fan and, um, he said to me, he's like, I was recently on a flight coming back from San Francisco and everyone is going up to this kid asking for his autograph. He's like, I had no idea who it was. And then I asked someone, he's like, it's kind of a dart. And he's mm -hmm. a big hockey fan and kind of what you were saying, he could fly under the radar for now. And I think Chicago fans are pretty respectful, I would say to the star athletes, making sure that they're not overwhelming them. This is, this is my opinion and I could be I, totally I wrong, no, I but I think we're agree. pretty respectful to the stars and really just wanting them to do the best of their ability and not hounding them down. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I feel a lot of that. Um, like I've gone to restaurants and like, we'll notice like an athlete is sitting there and, and like my family is like, wow, like that's really cool. But we just like kind of get back to like eating, you know, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's yes. not, unless you're like a real crazed fan and like, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're like, you're stalking them, like whatever. Um, but yeah, typically for like, for the most part, very respectful. And I think Chicago is, is a city that like is knows that there are going to be like a lot of celebrities that go through and they're also like kind of prepared for it. Like if there are, you know, like if, whatever Connor Bedard is going to like a fancy rent restaurant in Chicago, like mm -hmm. the owner knows, okay, Connor Bedard might be Got coming here. Yeah, exactly. So like, yeah, but I think fans are definitely respectful here in Chicago. Okay. Do you get recognized when you're out and about? Um, I get recognized way more when I'm at the United center and fifth third arena from fans, okay. which is great. Cause like, that's like the element where I would want to be recognized. There was a time this was two months ago. Um, I was, and if they're listening to this podcast, it's really funny. I don't know if they will be, but like I was, I was out in Naperville with, um, with some family or it was like with like my cousins and my brother, my sister, whatever, like on my way back to the parking lot, uh, somebody like opened the door and was like, are, are you Charlie? <laughs> And I'm like, I was kind of like, that was like one of the, I went, I, I want to say, yeah, I was like, wow. Like I'm in like a random place for someone to like really recognize me in that way. Yes. Like typically it's like, whatever I'm, I'm walking around the United center concourse and I, like people are say, say stuff, but like to be living like a life, like totally set, like I wasn't even, I was so far removed Not from doing black Hawks. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was like a little startling, but it was, did you I feel mean, so cool with your family uh, and friends? <laughs> I actually don't. I actually don't really uh, like that attention. Like okay. I feel very sheepish when it comes when, when. But like I, I'm very appreciative when, um, like when fans do say hi. Like in that moment, I wasn't like standoffish or any way. But I yeah, was definitely just, like, you're like I'm a normal person. Yeah, I was like I'm just a normal guy. Like some people, like actually the other day, somebody was like, it was like a college student that was like, um, like emailing me and it was like. 
hi, Mr. Rumeliotis. Like, and I was just like, whoa, 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 call me Charlie, please. I'm a normal You're human like, being. You're like, that's my dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't feel like, I don't know, Alyssa, if I will ever see myself as like the way other people see me, like a guy that's on TV. I will always very much feel like I'm the guy that was still like playing hockey in my basement with my dad. And like, I'm just, I, I like happen to be doing this for a living and like, I'm a normal human being. That's how I will always see it. And so when people recognize me, um, it's, it's very weird, like internally to kind of like feel like, Oh, wow. Thanks. Or whatever. It, yeah. it's, it's almost like, I just want to get the conversation right away to like, let's just talk about the Hawks. Like, I don't want to talk about the fact that like, we just ran into each other and you're like, you know, like peppering me with like, wow, it's so cool to meet you. Yeah. Cause like, I'm very normal. <laughs> That's how I feel a little bit too. And that is called imposter syndrome. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm teaching you a lot of new words today with this. Yeah. And I I struggle with that too sometimes. You know, I'm doing these big, amazing jobs. I'm like, should I be doing this? Did, did I actually earn this? And then I, I am like, okay, yes, I did. But same thing as you. You I don't really even love all the attention. I love when people do come up and say, Hi, are you Alyssa from the White Sox? Or hi, are, are you Alyssa yeah. on the radio? And I love just talking with them about the team. Like, oh yeah, that was a terrible game or that game was yes. so fun the other night. And so I'm, I'm in the same boat with you as it's, it's so lovely when people are so nice and come up to you, but then it's like, okay, let's just, let's just talk about the game. Yeah. 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 No, it's what definitely happened? like, yeah, it's definitely like if, if like, I don't want anyone listening to this and whatever they see me and they're like, oh, I don't want to say hi to Charlie. Cause he might No, like, I actually, like, I appreciate that, but it's almost I, like, yeah. I, I don't want the attention of like who you just ran into. I, I want to be like, what's your name? What's your, what are your thoughts on the black? Oh, let's, let's just get right into talking. Cause I know what you want to talk about. And I would love to talk about that too. Cause I don't like talking about myself and it's actually like a mindset shift that I did a couple years ago. It wasn't until it actually was like right after COVID where I had my Instagram account. I didn't, I was wrestling with it when COVID hit. I was like, what, mm -hmm. what do I post on my Instagram? Cause I was like, I don't yeah. like posting about myself. So I was like, let me, I'm just like going to, I'm just going to like document, like I'm going to post Blackhawks news and rather than like post about me and like what I'm doing with my job, I was like, I'm just going to like mm -hmm. turn it. And, and it was very freeing knowing that like, I didn't have to like post about myself or like pictures about myself. Like really the only thing that you'll see about myself is me doing a TV hit, but it's like, I'm trying to share Blackhawks information with you. Yes. I'm not trying to be like, Hey, look, I'm on TV, you know? So it's, it's very, it's very freeing when I can like turn the attention, uh, somewhere else. And when I was researching you, even though I already know you just like to do my background information <laughs> here, um, I typed in your full name and you know, it popped up Charlie Romiliotis Greek. Really? Wait, does somebody, <laughs> wait, wait, is some, does somebody, did somebody create a, a page that's like imitating me? <laughs> I don't know, but I want people to start Alyssa Bergamini Italian. Wow. <laughs> that is a very I, big compliment. That is how, yes. it's not that I'm not on TV or whatever. The fact that I'm like, somebody felt the need to like replicate a page of mine and pretend. Wow. Uh, that is, I, that we'll, might be we'll the look it up compliment. after this, but yeah, I was, I was loving that because you are so proud of your Greek heritage. I'm so proud to be Italian. So you, you talk a lot about your family and your friends and, you know, Greeks have big families. So how much do you just love the traditions that you have with, you know, your family and, and what is that like, um, just really honing in on who you are? Yeah, I, I love it. We're a loud family. We're like, here's what I will say. 
So my <laughs> so my family were basically like 100% Greek. My sister ended up marrying an 100% Italian. Oh, so that's a good we mix. Now, it is a very good mix because <laughs> it is like we're very similar in a lot of ways, but also very different. And it's really cool to be able to go to like his family parties and it's the same loudness. It's the same, but it's just different. I don't know how to explain it, but it's awesome. I can picture it. Yeah. It's, it's so cool. And I love that, that mix. Like I'm very proud to say like I'm a hundred percent Greek, but for like my sister and her husband, like they, like I now have two nieces, like two from them and the fact that they could say that they have both in them is like, is kind of also very cool to me. Yeah. Like it's not like, Oh man, they, they're not a, uh, like 50% or they're not a hundred percent of one thing. It's like, they have a mix and that's, that's like very, that's very cool to me. I think if I were to not be Italian, I would love to be Greek. And <laughs> I, I babysat for a Greek family a few years back and the Yaya was over every day. Yep. <laughs> she would make, <laughs> homemade yogurt um she's uh, making spani copita like I, amazing food and i'm like oh i think i want to be greek as well i will say and i'm not even going to turn this into a bit a debate i'm just going to say <laughs> italians greeks one and two whichever it is in food like i will take I agree. food and I agree. italian food over anything else and i i don't even want to debate what is one and two because i don't <laughs> care it's they're both incredible and like it's like a very big drop off to the next tier. <laughs> okay. This leads me to my game that I'm going to play with you. And okay. this is, this fits in perfectly. So it is stardom, sit them, send them down. Ooh, okay. So we're okay. starting with Greek food. And if I'm butchering oh, these names, please, okay. please make sure that I'm correctly saying it. Okay. okay. Baklava. Okay. Euros and Spanikopita, which I just brought up. Okay. Spanikopita. <laughs> Uh, I'm wait, what's the, what's the worst option benching? Yeah. So sending them down. Okay. So I'm start sending, best. I'm totally sending them down because I don't like the spinach in mine. So <laughs> I'm a very much a, a Tito pita guy, which is just the cheese. Uh, if it was that, that would be very, wait, um, say that, say that name again. Tito pita. Yeah. And then oh, there's Spanakopita, which is with the, the spinach in it, which, yeah, okay. I'm not a fan of that. So I'm, I'm sending those down to the minor, very far to the minors. Down, um, down, down. And then, so I'm starting Yido. That's actually my favorite. Greek I love food. how when, you're saying this. Yeah. And then <laughs> baklava, that's, that's the solid dessert. So I'll, I'll bench them, but that's okay. how I would go. Wow. This was, that was very stressful. <laughs> was it? Yeah. Well, cause I thought you were going to give me like, three options that are like, I don't, I really like, but the fact that one of them was something that I didn't like made it a little bit easier. Okay. I'm so proud that I picked those now. Um, yeah. okay. This one's not about food. Your favorite Stanley cup championship run with the Hawks, whether it's a fan or covering the team. So obviously 2010, 13 or 2015, man, that's a, that's a hard one. So 2010, that was obviously the first one. And so that was like, snap the drought very cool like we were at home watching it it was it was fun 2013 i was actually in boston with my family like the the five of us traveled to boston and we were there that was a surreal experience and then 2015 was like i mentioned earlier on the podcast was kind of like my breakthrough and when they won the cup i i 
I was like, fortunately one of the members that got to like be on the ice and interview the players afterwards. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's weird to say like 2010 is like third on my list because that was the one that like ended the drought. But, oh man, I, I, I'll probably have to say 2015 just because it felt like it encapsulated like where I was in 2013, like in the stands, like as a fan. And then two years later, I was able to kind of be on the ice, like as, as a media member, It, it was it was very, it was very rewarding to be there that quickly. Um, so I'll say 2015. Okay. So we're starting 2015, sitting 2013 and sending down yep. 2010. Okay. Yep. Great answer. Okay. Um, your favorite Blackhawks that you covered that had the best soundbite. I'm going Ooh. with Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves and Corey Crawford. But if you have other ones, feel free to share. Okay. Best soundbite. Can, wait, can I go with current or no? You can do whatever you want. All right. So, all right. I'm going to say, I'm going to start Patrick Kane. And the reason why I say that is he might not be the best soundbite as far as like, like insightful, uh, intro, but he, he was always like the best like, why is the PowerPoint not working? Like, he would give a really good, thorough answer. And, like, as a hockey nerd, I very much appreciated, like, what his actual thoughts were on that. So I'll, I'll say Patrick Kane. This is, like, I'm on the spot. And, like, when this ends, I'm probably going to change want to change my answers. <laughs> but Nick Foligno no. has been awesome oh. on the, okay. the Blackhawk. He is he is a soundbite machine. So I I don't know. It's probably just recency bias. And so it, it, like, so, but I'll, I'll bench him and who, who would I send? Who would I maybe send who was down the, to the maybe minors? Maybe who was the worst? Who's who or in the past and it doesn't have to be someone current. Who's really hard to um, get a good So I will say, I don't, I don't even know if I would call it the worst, but the ones that are, are hard is the, the ones that um don't speak fluent English. And like, I think they're like a very, like, they'd be very insightful, but because they're, because English isn't their first language, you kind of tend to just get dry answers. So I would just say like, I don't even want to like name a name. So I'm just going to say anyone, anyone like in that, you know what I mean? But like, like I remember David Camp was here and he, he like, I think he spoke to the media once all year long and it was like, there were no cameras around or whatever. Um, but now he's in Toronto and he's like, his English is very much improved and oh, I think he's wow. like a better soundbite. So, okay, um, yeah. So those are my answers. <laughs> and I think with a translator, they don't actually say the whole answer of what the player okay. is saying. And I, I noticed that so much in baseball and I don't speak Spanish, but when I hear it, I'm like, that was not a hundred percent accurate to what they were saying. Alyssa, it is like one of my pet peeves where I'm watching a game. It would be like a big walk-off home run and <laughs> yeah. like, the answer of the player is like 45 seconds long. And the translator is like, I'm so happy we won. And I'm just like, there's so much more there. <laughs> You're like, no way. Like, uh, it's more. Almost like, yeah, it's like, there. no, that's not what he said. He said more. Don't give me the spark notes. Give me word for word what he said, because that was that sounded like an amazing answer. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we share the same pet peeve. Yes. Amongst many others, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, well, Charlie, thank you so much. A Greek and Italian get on a podcast and we are an hour in and I could talk <laughs> with you all day. I'm so proud of you. I love seeing all the work you're doing. And I'm proud of us that we were just little Comcast Sportsnet interns, part-timers yes. then. 
And, yep. you know, day by day, we're doing what we love. And I'm, yes. I'm a Blackhawks fan, yes, but more so a Charlie Rumiliotis fan because all of your amazing e work. I'm equally as big of a fan as you. Um, <laughs> and it's been fun to kind of watch you grow as well from, from afar, but also together starting out um, in places. And by the way, I have to say this before we wrap up. Let's the name it. of this podcast is freaking you like awesome. It? <laughs> How did you come up with this? Truly, it just came to me. I was working out. The endorphins must have been there. You know how sometimes it takes you so long to figure something out? Like even when I go out to dinner, I'm like, what am I going to order? Yeah. Oh, it takes me so long. This just came to me. I, 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 I love the name. I'm so bad at like coming up. So for example, like in college, I was I had a column in my on the in the newspaper. And I had to think of a name to like for for the column, like yeah, whatever. And I was just like, I have no idea. I'm not creative <laughs> in this way. Somebody help me. And the column name that we that other people decided for me, which was great, was Charlie's Angles. So oh, that's what I, so I don't I was like, hate wow, that at all. This sounds this. I'm like, this is a hilarious name. I'm so on board with it. But I didn't come up with that myself. Like I'm not creative like that. So the fact that you thought of this. Uh, listen up podcast yourself is you're way more creative than I am. So that solid I was just, name. I was so happy that no one had it because if you have a good idea and then it's already out there, even w with you yeah. like writing stories or whatnot, and you're like, Oh, they have a similar headline to me. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's, that's the worst when you were so excited about something. So, um, but thank you. I, I'm proud. But I'm, I'm going along with it. <laughs> I love it. Well, thanks again for having me. I'm sure we could have probably talked for like two more hours, but do um, a lot before was, you go, where yeah. can people find you? Yeah. So not literally, cause I'm sure like, you well, have some people crushing I on live you. In, oh, no I'm kidding. Yeah, <laughs> no. So like on social media, I think a lot of my handles are the same, like Charlie Romeliotis on Twitter X, whatever it's called now. Um, yeah. Facebook, Instagram, and then obviously you can catch my work on NBCSportsChicago.com. Well, keep killing it. Um, spell your last name for everyone that's wondering. Okay. R O U M E L I O T I S. <laughs> oh. It's it sounds like a uh when you're like little and you're learning your vowels. Yeah. A E I O U sit down. Yeah. I'm a, <laughs> I'm also like really bad at like you know, whenever you're on the on the phone and you're like, uh, A is in uh, like Apple. Like, I'm so bad it. at thinking of something on the fly. Like, I actually had to do it the other day. So I'm glad you didn't say, "Can you can you provide a something with it?" I would have been like, "Oh, is in uh." uh I wouldn't uh, do that to you. I don't know. Yeah. So <laughs> there's a name to it, and I can't think of it right now. But um, there's a name to doing all that. Well, again, thank you, Charlie, okay. so much, and go Blackhawks. That's right. I'm sure I'll see you around <laughs> at the United Center soon. All right. I'll see you there. <laughs> Thank you for listening up to the Listen Up podcast. Don't forget, rate, review, and subscribe, and tune in for next week's episode.